Good morning, everybody. We are so glad to see you here this morning. Um, I hope you've had a great week um, as we've come back together to worship God this morning. If you are watching online, we are so happy that you are with us. And if you are watching online, I want you to, to give me a, do a huge favor for me and take out your phone and pull up the North Point app and go to that Let's Connect tab. Let us know that you've been here. Um, it is just a great way for us to keep um, track of who is watching, and, and we just love to know that you're here. Um, if you're a guest and have never been online, go ahead and text guest NCC to 94090, and that's going to send you a link for that Let's Connect tab. Okay, are you guys ready to worship with us this morning? We have an awesome morning planned for you. So go ahead and stand up. Wave to somebody around you. Now let's put our hands together. We're going to worship the Lord. Do what you want to, do what you want to, God we love. 
think everybody knows this song by now. Let's all sing it out. Come on. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a Sounds good, come on. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Minute. 
Don't you love that song? The words of that are just awesome. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, but (laughs) Chad and Jenna have the most adorable, identical twin boys. (laughs) And they were worshiping with Mommy as she was practicing that song the other day. If you haven't seen it, go to our Facebook page and check it out because it is so cute. (laughs) We've got the next generation of worship band coming up. (laughs) All right, now it's your turn to connect with us. So go ahead and take out your app, go to that Let's Connect tab, and just let us know that you're here. Um, If you can make sure that your email is up to date, your phone number, whatever, that just helps us to be able to connect with you and let you know what's going on in and around North Point. So we've talked about uh, GLS that's coming up, and that's the Global Leadership Summit. Oh, you know what? I forgot to say one thing. If you're new, text guest NCC. Two nine four zero nine zero, and you'll get a link to our Connect card. So if you've never done that before and pulled up the app, go ahead and do that. Um, Global Leadership Summit is something that's happening a week from Thursday, and we're going to be hosting it here. And it is an awesome opportunity to hear many, many speakers speaking on leadership. And Rick mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's not just for people who are specifically in a leadership position. It is for everybody. Because we all are leaders in some way or form in our life. And I've been to um, three of them now. And they are really, really good. I loved it. So you will get something out of it. There's still time to sign up. Go text GLS to 940-90. And then you enter the code LEAD2020. And the price now is $129. Okay. The price is now $129. <laughs> but it's worth it. I promise. It's so good. Um, before we head into a time of teaching, the last thing we want to touch on is our giving. And we have several ways to do that. You can text NCC Give to 77977. We have little boxes at the back if you want to drop in a check or cash or whatever. Um, the Lord tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And this is our way of giving back to what he to him for what he has blessed us all so richly with. And we use that here, not only in the building, but it's reaching in our neighborhoods, in the Lansing area, 
all over the country and all over the world. So it is awesome to be able to be a part of that and to further God's kingdom through our giving. So as you give this morning, just let God lead you in that. Good morning. It's wonderful to see your smiling faces, although some of you are not smiling. And so now you have to smile. How many of you believe that fear is a liar? Are you there? Are you there? Man, it's everywhere, right? Uh, I, I just want to echo what Jamie said. Um, go to the North Point Facebook page and just scroll back a couple of days and watch Jenna and the boys singing uh, Raise a Hallelujah. Um, it will make you smile and laugh and have joy like you've never imagined. Um, it's just good, good, good stuff. But we're here and we live in this world now where COVID is doing all kinds of stuff, right? Um, man, uh, for any of you who have uh, um, family or live in seniors housing and nursing homes, that kind of stuff. The governor uh, on Friday extended that time a month, and um, we hurt with you. It's just hard. That's hard. And so uh, that's the reality. But COVID can't stop us, right? COVID can't steal our joy. COVID can't keep our kids from learning, Right? They may change the way that they're learning, but COVID can't stop that. COVID can't stop us from taking care of our families, even if our jobs change. COVID can't stop us, right? COVID can't change our relationship with Jesus. Can I hear a COVID can't? COVID can't. Uh, is anybody... Here we go. We... uh we have some t-shirts that's our North Point t-shirts that say COVID can't just like Deb has on this morning. Is anybody, yeah, COVID can't. Is anybody here for the first time back, back for the first time today? Oh, there you go. And Michaela. Ah, uh, great. Anybody else? COVID shirt? COVID can't. Nobody wants one. Oh, oh, Brenda. Oh, almost made it there. Oh, if that's the wrong size, if it's the wrong size, you can take it out in the lobby and exchange it. Nice catch. Nice catch. Um, COVID can't make us afraid, right? That's, that's a, that's a choice. And so this series that we're in, fearless, talking about what God can do in us and, and how we don't need to be afraid. And when we look at the life of Daniel, man, there's so much there that, that God can teach us about living a fearless life. Um, next week we start a new series, uh, and the new series is called What I'm Learning. Uh, for, during the month of August, it's going to be kind of fun because uh, each speaker is just going to share some things that God has been teaching them. Um, so it's the, the connector is here's what I'm learning. Uh, and it can, it's going to be a little bit random in terms of the messages, but I think really, really good stuff. We all need to continue to learn, continually learn, right? 
We all need God's word getting in us and changing the way that we think what we do. Um, when we were worshiping this morning, this is this is kind of my random five-minute warm-up, all right? Uh, all, all kinds of thoughts. When I came in this morning, I was, I was just kind of yeah, a little discouraged. And, um, and when I came in, the band was working through this stuff, and here was the lyric that was, that was on screen. And I just thought, man, I want to, I want to touch on this. I need to be reminded that I belong to you. I need to be reminded that I belong to you. I, I hope that that is something that you can hold on to, because it doesn't matter what else is going on around us. We belong to Jesus. If you don't belong to him, man, today's the day to get that right. To, to make a change and to, and, to, and to give yourself to him. But if we're reminded that we belong to him, everything, everything else kind of changes. We've talked in this series called Fearless about what we can do to be fearless, what it looks like to do that, how we need to name our fears. We need to recognize what it is that we're really afraid of. And we need to recognize who God is, his character, and we need to trust him. In the, in the messages we talked about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fiery furnace and, and them saying, we believe that God can save us. And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we won't bow the knee to the, to the statue. Um, such a powerful thing. We can be, we can be fearless knowing that God is who he said he is. Um, we can be fearless when we know our why, what we talked about last week, understanding why we're here and why we have a relationship with God. When we live out our faith in a consistent and, and, uh, clear way on a, on a daily basis, like Daniel. Daniel's, um, Daniel's faith permeated everything he did. For all of, all of the time that he served multiple kings, he just was rocking it day in, day out. That's what it takes to be fearless, to be confident that God is who he said he is and that he doesn't change and that he's going to be involved in our lives because he loves us and knows us. The last five chapters of the book of Daniel um, are, are, uh, are chapters that that are um, really, really interesting. They, they probably are some of the chapters that are the most written about in Scripture. They're, um, they're chapters that describe visions that Daniel has that, that uh, all kinds of people have poured themselves into trying to figure out um, what those visions mean. Um, there, there, are, there are teachers that literally, um, they, their livelihood comes from explaining what is in these five chapters. I want to encourage you because we're not going to read those five chapters today. I like to read long passages, and we're going to we're going to look at a long passage of scripture in this. Um, but I want to encourage you to take some time and to just read through chapter uh, seven through twelve of Daniel. There's lots of weird stuff in there, lots of vision stuff, and you could spend you could spend the next um, several months literally going on YouTube and listening to teachers teach about this, uh, doing, uh, reading commentaries, reading all kinds of things that have been written about this. And when it was all said and done, you'd end up at a place that you'd say, man, there are a lot of people who think a lot of different things about these chapters and about this prophecy and, and how it impacts the end times, all that kind of stuff. I want today to share four principles, four guardrails that will help us look at these chapters. And I think that they'll help us look at not just these chapters, but any kind of prophetic teaching that's in Scripture. These guardrails, I think, will help us look and make sense 
of that that prophecy, whether it's in Daniel 7 through 12, whether it's in the book of Revelation, whether it's in Matthew 24. Um, these are guardrails that you can use when you look in Scripture um, at, at prophecy that's there and try and make sense of it. You know what guardrails do, don't you? They keep you on the road. They keep you from going off the cliff. They keep you from being afraid. Anybody ever driven in the mountains on a road without guardrails? Um, I can remember as a junior high kid, we were in Colorado and we're going up through the mountain pass in Colorado, going to a place that we were skiing, and um, and there was no guardrail on the side of the road, and Dad's driving, and my mom has moved from the passenger door over into the middle of the car because she said, I can't look, I can't look, I can't look. Guardrails provide a level of safety, Right? They keep you on track. It doesn't matter if the road's the exact same width as every other road is. The guardrail provides some comfort from uh, some safety. So I want to share four guardrails this morning that help us look at Matthew 7 through 12. These are in the app notes. I would encourage you to take some notes in the app notes as well. Um, These guardrails, I think, can help us with any kind of prophetic scripture. Guardrail number one, prophecy and scripture has one purpose, and that's to draw us to God through Jesus. Anytime that there's prophecy in Scripture, it's all designed to draw us closer to God. It's not designed to make us afraid. It's not designed to to draw us away from God. It's not designed to make us focus on that particular prophecy. It's designed to draw us to God. And so whenever you look at prophecy... What you've got to do is say, God, what are you, what are you trying to teach me here about my relationship with you? Um, prophecy in the Old Testament was always to either encourage the Jews and to say, you know what, God's got something incredible for you, incredible in store for you that's coming up. It was there to encourage them. Though, and there would be prophecies about the promised land, what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, what life is going to be like. If you follow me, this is, this is how the kingdom is going to go. It was there to encourage them, or prophecy was there sometimes in the Old Testament from the prophets to warn them and to say, if you don't follow me, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be bad. Your life's going to be a mess. The kingdom's going to be torn apart. Uh, you're going to be conquered as a people. You're going to be taken into slavery, into exile. So the prophecy was always there to either warn or to encourage, but to drive them to God. When we read the last five chapters of the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation or what Jesus said in Matthew 24, the purpose for that prophecy is to have us turn to God, to depend on him more, to understand who he is and his heart for us. It's not to create anxiety. It's not to create fear for fear's sake. It's to draw us to God. That's the first guardrail. The second guardrail is if the interpretation of a prophecy isn't expressly revealed by God, any interpretation is our best guess. Unless God's word says, this is what it means, we need to continue to study, but to hold with an open hand whatever we think it might mean. There are people who will sit down and say, this is exactly what every aspect of Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 10, Daniel 11, and Daniel 12 mean. They have it all figured out. They can tell you the exact times and all the pieces and all the place. Unless God has said it expressly, We need to study and we need to come to those conclusions, but we need to hold those with an open hand. 
recognizing that our perspective may not at all be what God's perspective is. In the last hundred years, Bible scholars have been sure that the prophecies that concern the Antichrist were being fulfilled in Adolf Hitler, in the Pope, in the, in the Roman government, in, in, the, um, in the Russian government, um, that, that, the, that the Antichrist for sure was Osama bin Laden or President Obama. I, you know, there was a, a period that lots of Christians would say, oh, President Obama's the Antichrist. We need to hold any conclusions that we come to in a, with a very open hand unless God expressly says, this is what this means. This is who this is. When people say, uh, right now, when people say, oh, a vaccine for COVID, man, that's the entry for the government to put a microchip inside all of us that's going to be used by the Antichrist. That's the sign of the beast. It's going to happen. That way, I know it's going to happen. Anybody heard that? Yeah. Um, that, that may very well be, and it may very well not be. The vaccine may be just like the vaccine for polio or mumps and uh, measles, rubella. And it may be something that saves millions of lives. We have to go to Scripture and count on God to interpret it for us or to hold our understanding with a very loose hand and to be very gracious in that process. If God didn't clarify it in Scripture, we can't be sure our understanding is right because our understanding is limited. We see through a mirror darkly. Deciphering prophetic scripture is difficult because we can't see what God can see, right? We have a different perspective. Here's, here's, a, here's a picture that may help with uh, how you look at, at prophecy in scripture. Um, I, I've told lots of stories about Crystal Lake uh, up by Carson City where my family has gone for the 4th of July for tons of years, for more than, than uh, 60 years. So at Crystal, on the 4th of July, there's a parade that starts outside of town on the south side of town and goes down through the, the middle of the main street, turns and goes down towards the lake, goes around the lake, and it goes forever. We have a spot that our family goes to to watch the parade. That's, that it's always the exact same spot. While we're watching the parade, if the neighbors come up late, come in late, and they say, oh, has the hardware store float already gone by? Or, has it come yet? We can say from our position, you know what? Um, it actually already happened. But if you go down, if you turn the corner, if you cut through the back road, if you get over to where the parade is going to hit the lake, you can still see it. If you go forward, you can see what's already happened in the past. Have that picture? And if the kids say, when are the horses coming in the parade? When When are the horses coming? And we can say, hey, if you look to our left, if you look what's not yet happened yet, you'll be able to see the future. If you look to the past, you can see the future. If you look forward, you can see what's already past. Our perspective is only what's happening right now. Now, here's the thing. God's perspective is like a drone or like the Goodyear blimp, as if the Goodyear blimp would ever go to Crystal, Michigan, uh, you know, to see the parade. But it, God has a perspective from up on high where he can see the entire parade. He can see where the police cars are and the fire trucks and and uh, and and uh, all of the floats with the homecoming, uh, you know, with the with all the people. God can see it all at the same time. 
He has a perspective that's clear. When we look at prophecy, sometimes we see stuff that's already happened, but we see it in the future. Does that make sense? Sometimes we have to look to the future to see what's already happened in the past. Sometimes we have to look to the past to see what was prophesied to the future. God can see it all. Our perspective, when we look at prophetic language in Scripture, is not God's. And unless God explains it to us, we just have to be very careful with the conclusions that we reach. In Daniel 7, if you've got your Bibles open, if you want to go there, um, we're going we're gonna to do kind of a quick fly-through. Um, but in Daniel 7, the first 14 verses, Daniel describes a prophetic vision that he has of a lion with eagle's wings, of a bear with three ribs in his mouth, of a leopard with four wings and four heads, and this beast with iron teeth and ten horns that's too terrifying to describe. There's also in his vision someone who's described as the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, and another figure who is the Ancient of Days, that uh, who has all authority and people from every nation and every tribe come and worship him. It's this pretty spectacular vision. And then in beginning in verse 15, if you look there, the vision is explained to Daniel. There's an angel that that says to Daniel, here's the deal. There's going to be four kingdoms that will rule the earth, one after another. They will ultimately be destroyed, and their power will be given to the people of the Most High. We can look at that and say, okay, what's the meaning of that prophecy, that vision that's there in Daniel 7? It's that there's going to be four kingdoms, one that follow another. They're all going to die, and all of that's going to be given to God. In Daniel chapter 8... Two years later, Daniel has another vision. Um, This time he sees a ram with two horns. One's a little bit longer than another. He sees a goat with a horn right in between his eyes. And the goat charges and kills the ram. Uh, And in the process of doing that, he breaks that horn. And then four horns grow in its place. Um, there's, there's ultimately this destruction that causes this desolation and a prophecy about how long it's going to be until everything is restored and the temple is able to be used again. In the explanation that Daniel is given to by the angel Gabriel in the second half of chapter 8, Gabriel explains that the Medo-Persian kingdom um, and that, that the, the ram represents the Medo-Persian kingdom And that goat that charges him is the Greek kingdom. Again, you can study on your own, and there's lots of people that that really dive in to try and explain all the bits and pieces of that. Because ultimately that horn that gets broken and is replaced by four horns in the the Greek um, kingdom, there end up being four generals that take over, all kinds of stuff that's there. But ultimately they're defeated as well. Daniel has the vision. God explains it to him. Maybe not as explicitly as Daniel would have liked or as explicitly as we would like. But God says, Daniel, this is what it means. We don't need to reinterpret. We don't need to read things into that vision that God didn't explain to Daniel. Because we can't know if we're right or wrong. But we can hold on to, we can latch hold of, we can, we can count on the fact that the interpretation given to Daniel is right. Guardrail number three, as we look at at prophetic scripture. While we need to study and understand prophetic passages, 
Our first priority as followers of Jesus is to embrace and obey the clear teachings of Jesus and the apostles. It's easy for us to get all invested in prophetic language in Scripture and to pour ourselves into that and to miss the main point, which is to draw us to God because we're so focused on the prophecies that we fail to live out what Jesus has called us to do. Um, that It's interesting to me, just in prepping for this message, I've probably spent more time in Daniel 7 through 12 to prepare for this morning um, and to prepare about stuff that I'm not even going to talk about than I have literally in my entire life. Um, I don't say that to, to, to be proud of that, except to say this. I am so convinced that our calling is to know what's in Daniel 7 through 12, but our calling is to be obedient to Jesus, to follow him and to do what he says, to live as his ambassadors in the here and now. That's far more important than understanding the prophecies that are there in Daniel 7 through 12, than understanding who the horn is and who, and, um, and, and who the leopard is and all of those pieces. What is, what is it that Jesus has told us that we really need to embrace and live out? Jesus has said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching people, baptizing them, teaching them so that they can be my disciples as well? What is it that Jesus has called us to do that we need to wrestle with on a daily basis? Love your enemies. Be kind to those who mistreat you. Forgive those who've hurt you. What is it that Jesus has told us? Let your yes be yes, your no be no. What has Jesus told us Told, told us, told you, don't be anxious about what you'll wear or what you'll eat or where you'll live. I'll take care of all that stuff for you. What's Jesus told us? Pursue your relationship with me as though it was a pearl worth millions of dollars. Go after it to get that pearl. It's more important to obey the teaching that we find in the epistles, in the letters that were written, the, the back half of, uh, of the New Testament than it is to try and figure out what the 70th week of Daniel, uh, the 70th week of the vision that Daniel had is. What the tribulation is going to look like. What the abomin- abomination of desolation is, is about. It's more important for us to internalize and to live out what God has called us to do. What Paul, what the writers of the letters say, clothe yourselves with kindness and compassion, and humility. Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what's good for edification and encouragement. Don't show favoritism or prejudice. Get rid of all bitterness and malice and divisiveness that exist in you. When we live the way that Jesus lived, when we can live with character and integrity day in and day out in a way that Daniel modeled for us, when we are so different from the rest of the world because of our holiness, because of our peace, because of our hope, then maybe it's time for us to pour ourselves into the prophecy and try to figure that out, the figurative language. We need to know it, but it's a secondary thing for us. Jesus said in John 14, If you love me, keep 
my commands. He didn't say, if you love me, figure out what the prophecies mean. If you love me, keep my commands. John 14, just a few verses later, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. The apostle John, 1 John chapter 2 says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. How does this third guardrail help us understand the last five chapters of the book of Daniel? In Daniel 9, Daniel understands, uh, because of the, the prophet Jeremiah, that there's going to be 70 years until the temple is restored. And Daniel is grieved about the people of Israel being separated from the temple, not being able to sacrifice, being separated from the place that, that God came and lived for the Jewish people. And Daniel's response to that is to repent. He begins to pray and fast. He takes on a posture of humility. He puts on sackcloth, this, this cloth that just itches and irritates his body, and ash so that he's drawn to find his strength in God and in God alone. I think Daniel's prayer in, in chapter 9, it may be the most important passage of the five chapters that we're looking at today. I think that it's far more valuable than the visions. It's far more valuable than any reference to the end of time. Far more valuable than anything we might understand about when Jesus will return. Because it drives right to the core issue for us today, and that's our hearts. You know, it's easy for us as Americans to quote Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll, I'll come in and forgive and heal their land. You know, if they, if they repent. That's an easy verse for us to point to. But I, I want us to look at Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, beginning in verse 4. I, I've never done this before with, a, with this long of passage, but I want us to read this passage together out loud. Understand that it was written to Daniel for the Jewish people, but I think that there are so many parallels, so many things that we can apply and internalize if we embrace this scripture. If you want a scripture to be able to read to start your day on a daily basis, Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 19 is an incredible place to start. Let's, let's read this together out loud, and it's a long passage but let your mind track what God says, what Daniel says. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us, because of our unfaithfulness to you. 
We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Forget the prophecies. Forget the visions. Have a Daniel heart. Have a humbleness, a humility that says, God, I have just strayed so far from you, and I need you. I need your forgiveness. Do you understand? Did did he even know that that passage was in there? Man, it's so powerful. The purpose of the visions was to draw Daniel to God, to draw the nation to God, to make things right. And that's our purpose in examining that, to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Everything else will fall into place. The fourth guardrail is this. We don't need to fear the future if we're faithful in the present. 
A long, long time ago, I had a, a friend who did student ministry, and they talked about a week of junior high camp that they led. That in this week of junior high camp, this was in the late 1970s, they brought a movie into camp, which back then was a big deal. You had to bring in a projector and a screen and the whole nine yards. They brought in this movie uh, to show the kids that was about the end times. It was about uh, the mark of the beast and everything that was coming. And, um, and basically, the whole purpose of the movie was to scare the sin out of the junior high kids. Uh, you know, that's what it was. Um, and so what ended up happening as a result of that? A whole lot of nightmares uh, and a whole lot of angry parents, right? Um, because because the what they were trying to do was to just create fear about what the end is going to be like. Don't miss this. If you're right with Jesus, we don't need to fear the future. If we're faithful now, if we have the right kind of relationship with Jesus now, we don't need to be afraid because death is not our enemy. Death is the entrance for us into, into the presence of Jesus for eternity. And we don't need to fear that. Um, we, we may end up experiencing pain, pressure, uh, persecution, all kinds of stuff. But God's going to walk with us through those things. And we don't need to be, we don't need to embrace fear that comes about the unknown. Um, how, how many of you went, want your spouse or your kids or your neighbors or even your pets to cower in fear when you walk into the room <laughs> you know you know to just back off and, ah. um, none of us do right when we, when we walk into a room we want our spouse or our kids or friends whoever our 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 dog to come running up and to and to embrace us to tell us what's going on in their lives, to share their story. What makes us think that we that God would want us to cower in fear in his presence, to just be awaiting this, this judgment that's going to wipe us out? That's not the picture. Now, we don't, don't miss this. We don't have any right. We don't have any, um, any, uh, we don't have any right to be in God's presence because of who God is because of his power and his holiness. But because of Jesus, we can come into his presence and we can climb on his lap and we can call him Daddy, Abba, Father. God God wants us to have that close relationship with him and not to be, not to be um, governed by fear of what's going to happen in the future. He's the one who has sent his spirit to comfort us and give us peace and say everything is going to be okay. Make no mistake about it. Daniel was terrified by his visions. If this afternoon or this week you read these, the, these chapters, 7 through 12, you'll find over and over again um, that when Daniel has these visions, it's the kind of thing that, that he has the cold sweats, you know, the sweaty head. He doesn't know what to do because of what God describes that's going to happen. In chapter 7, he describes himself as troubled in spirit, deeply disturbed, so much so that his face turns pale. In chapter 8, um, Daniel describes himself as being exhausted for several days after the vision happens. He's so spent thinking about the future. In chapter 10, he's described as deathly pale, trembling on his hands and, and knees. L- listen to these verses from chapter 10. I, Daniel... 
was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me didn't see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. As I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. He faints because of his fear. A hand touched me and set set me trembling on my hands and knees and said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Carefully consider the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Do not be afraid. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. When we're afraid, God sends his spirit to minister to us, to comfort us. One of the, one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Do not be afraid, Daniel. God sent spiritual reinforcements, angels, to Daniel at this point in time. If you go, go ahead and keep reading chapter 10, Daniel, Daniel learns that there's been this spiritual battle that has kept the angel away, but the angel has come to minister to him at this point in time. The same thing is true for us. When we cry out to God, God sends his, his beings, his angels, whoever it is, his spirits, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside us and to walk with us through those times of danger and trouble and fear. If you skip ahead to verse 16, it says this, chapter 10, Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. In the midst of visions that describe world wars and governments that rise and fall, an acknowledgement that the people of God will be stabbed and burned, captured, and their possessions plundered, tested so that they will be refined, purified, and made spotless, God says, don't be afraid. Be strong. Chris shared the words of Jesus just a few weeks ago in his message. Don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body, but can't kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. The book of Daniel concludes with words that sound so similar to the words of Jesus that Jesus used in Matthew 25 when he talks about separating the sheep and the goats. When he says to those who have, who have taken care of him, who have taken care of the least of God's kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. How does the book of Daniel end? With an angel saying to Daniel, As for you, Daniel, go your way till the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. How do we get through the COVID thing? 
How do we get through this? It's with our eyes on Jesus. Knowing that he has given his spirit to walk with us through these times. We don't need to fear the future. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear the disease. Because the one who is on the other side of the future, the one who's on the other side of death, the one who's on the other side of disease, is ready to call us by name and welcome us home. Not because of any good that we've done, but because of Jesus. Man, if you don't know him, talk to us. Talk to me. Talk to somebody on staff. Talk to a life group leader. And get that right. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that in the midst of incredibly unstable times, where everywhere we turn, there's fear, that we can find strength in you and joy and purpose and power. We can know who we are and what we're created for. And God, that we can look to the future with hope and with peace. God, help us to live fearless lives, not because of us, but because of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Live a fearless life with Jesus at your side. We'll see you.